so glad that each and every one of you are here with us today. And if you are a first time guest or joining with us online, we especially welcome you and would love to get to know more about you. For those in the building, if you could, grab an orange connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Fill it out and then drop it off in the giving box on the way out of the auditorium. Or you and those watching online can simply text the word CONNECT to 77411. We also want to thank everyone for your faithful giving. As a reminder, you can give by grabbing an offering envelope in the seat pocket in front of you and then dropping it off in the giving box on the way out of the auditorium. Or you can give by texting the dollar amount to 84321. You can also give by going online to brianhub.com forward slash giving. Once again, thank you so much for joining today. Remember, we are a church extending hope and wholeness. revival breaks out, I'd be glad with that. So glad that you're here this morning. Good to see all of you for our Super Sunday Family Fun Days. We're privileged this morning to have a guest speaker, one of my good friends, and I laugh whenever I talk about Pastor uh, Evangelist Jason Stidham, that we really got acquainted over an argument. It was hilarious. You might be surprised to know that there's someone in the world just as opinionated as I am. And um, so we had to have a meeting of the minds. Evangelist Jason Stidham does a great work around the country. He has uh, led a tremendous conference called the Act 6-4 Conference and moderates the uh, conservatively speaking page. It's really a voice that calls the sons of God to hold to our biblical values. And we're living in a time where there are no absolutes, even in our own circles. The Bible says if the foundation be destroyed... Where will the righteous be? What happens after that point? So honored to have uh, him with us for the middle of our Super Sunday Family Fun Days. And he has a celebrity with him, his daughter, Addison. Addison, stand up, would you? I'm going to put you on the spot. Make Addison feel welcome this morning. Glad that you're here. So looking forward, here's what I know. I was going to say, get ready to be blessed. Here's what I know. If you want to receive from God, God's in the house. And what I know is God's word carries his anointing. And so when the word is preached and you listen to God, something powerful is going to happen today. Would you give a welcome to our speaker, Jason Stidham? I love you, friend. I love you. Well, good morning. morning. Greetings from Texas. I should have brought my coat. My daughter and I can't believe it. When we left home, it was like 106, 108. The heat index carries it to like 113, 114. And we arrived here and said, man, it is still wintertime in Iowa. (laughs) But we are so glad to be with you. Your pastors are some of the finest people, not only in the Assemblies of God, but in the entirety of the kingdom. The man that just exited this platform is a statesman. He is brilliant. He is a fantastic communicator. He is a wonderful and extraordinary leader. He has preached for us at the Acts 6-4 conference. It's a conference that targets those in ministry. 
It uh, happens every January. And there are now 1,500 to 2,000 in-person attendees from around the world, not counting the thousands that join us via the live stream. And I am so grateful and thankful for the leadership and the personality of Pastor Gary Pilcher. And what would he be without Carol? Nothing. Pastor, thank you for your invitation, for having me. Thank you for your friendship. I mean that in all sincerity. I want you to pay attention. We're going to move quickly so that I can stay inside of the infrastructure, the time constraints here. I, again, want you to pay attention. Y'all say amen. Amen. The reason I say that is because I often sit where you sit. I am listening to someone else preach or teach. And I recognize the fact that far too often we are present in body, but absent in mind. We're here physically, but elsewhere mentally. One of the greatest illustrations I have ever seen of that subject matter happened a number of months ago as I was preaching a very large camp meeting in the state of Louisiana. Addison, Tasha, my wife, Hagen, my son were with me on that particular ministry occasion. I had preached Sunday morning. Dr. Tim Hill, who is the general overseer of the Church of God, was preaching that Sunday night. I was seated on the platform with a number of other ministers, and I was looking out into this section where my wife and children were seated. And Tim, as he often does, began to deal with some weighty material, and the room began to get tight. You could sense the tenseness. And he will oftentimes stop and insert a line, I've heard him use it time and again, to try to break that tension. He stops and says, I can't tell if I'm mad or if I'm anointed. And there'll be some laughter, there'll be some chuckles. It inserts a moment of brevity. And he did just that on that Sunday night. Now, through Tim's preaching, I had noticed that my daughter here, seated in this section, had already checked out. She laid her head over on her mother's shoulder. Her eyes were closed. She was half there and half elsewhere. Some of you are there right now. (laughs) And all of a sudden when Dr. Hill said, I can't tell if I'm mad or if I'm anointed, her head popped up. She spun toward her mother. Her eyes were as round as plates. And she said something. And when she did, the entire section went bananas. I thought, what did that girl say? As soon as the sermon was over and the altar ministry had ended, I went to my wife, Tasha. I said, Tasha, what did Addison say when Tim said he couldn't tell if he was mad or anointed? She said, oh, she popped up and looked at me and said, Mom, did you hear that preacher? He just said he can't tell if he's a man or a woman. (laughs) So for God's sake, will you people pay attention to what I'm saying this morning? The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter number 4. Mark chapter 4, let's begin reading with verse 35. That same day when the evening came, he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. 
When they had sent the crowd away, they took him in the boat just as he was. There were also other little boats with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves splashed into the boat so that it was now filling the boat. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. They woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared greatly and said one to another, What kind of man is he? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Now I want to take a slightly different slant on a familiar passage and preach to you for a few moments today on this subject, how to sleep in your storm. How to sleep in your storm. Father, help us in the next few moments. Help us to rightly divide the word. Thank you, Lord, for the presence, your presence that we have sensed in our time of worship, we believe that you have been building a platform for the ministry of the word. For your word changes, not only us, but I believe your word changes circumstances that surround us. What kind of man is this? that even the winds and the waves obey him. In Christ's name we ask it and everyone said amen. amen. Almost every sermon that is taught, preached, proclaimed concerning this subject matter immediately focuses on the response of the disciples. And there's a reason for that. Because we, you and I, more closely identify with them, the disciples, than we do with him, our Lord. But if I understand anything about the purpose of the faith, the goal of Christianity, the end game of pursuing Christ Jesus... It's not so that you and I might mirror or reflect them, but rather that we would become the image of him. Is it not? The goal of Christianity is not that you would act like Simon Peter. Not that I would act like Philip, Nathaniel, Bartholomew, the list goes on. No, the goal of it all is that you and I would become Christ-like. So rather than investigating the text this morning from the perspective of them, the disciples, I will speak about them, but I want our end goal to be becoming the reflection of him. So that we might be able, as he, to sleep through our storms, if you allow me to use such terminology. It's recorded, the account, the scenario, by three gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
Each one gives a few different perspectives concerning the scenario, but overall, the stories given by the three gospel writers are very, very similar. Matthew gives us a little background as to the precursor of this particular event. Matthew says that Jesus has entered into the home of Simon Peter. There he discovers Peter's mother-in-law who is sick with a fever. Jesus touches her. The fever immediately relinquishes its hold upon her. She begins to wait upon them and serve them. And then they begin to bring to Jesus, the people of the area, the region, all manners of people who were, number one, possessed by demon spirits. And Matthew says that Jesus cast those demons out simply through the expression of his word. And number two, they brought to him people who were ill. They had maladies, diseases, sicknesses. And Jesus healed them all, according to Matthew's account, so that the prophecy of Isaiah might be fulfilled, that he himself bore our sicknesses and took upon himself our infirmities. And then Jesus turns to the disciples after ministry to these masses and says to them, let's board the boat and cross over to the other side. So let me just walk you through a simple five-point outline this morning, if I might. Remembering the end game is to sleep through our storm. The first is the foundational principle. It seems so simple, yet it is so staggering in its spiritual significance. Obedience. Obedience. Jesus gave a command to them, let's board the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. It's the Sea of Galilee. It's the Lake Gennesaret. They are synonymous. It is the same body of water. And what can we learn? That just seems so insignificant, evangelists. What can we learn from simply following the command of Jesus to board the boat and cross over to the other side? You see, I have been doing what I am doing this morning for almost 25 years now. I preach in every shape, style, and size of church imaginable. And I have discovered this to be true of you all. Doesn't matter if I'm preaching in Texas or Oklahoma or Louisiana or Arkansas or Pennsylvania or California or Iowa. People are all the same. And this is true of you. This is true of me. You ready? We all believe ourselves to be more spiritual than we really are. We all believe our commitment to Christ to be greater than it really is. I prove that in the following point. There are people everywhere that are convinced that if the Lord gave them a command, we're talking about obedience, right? If the Lord commanded them to sell their possessions and move to a third world country and launch a ministry that they would obey and go. But far too often I find that people that are convinced they would follow the command of the Lord in obedience and move to a third world country 
are the same people who cannot seem to get to the house of God with any regularity on Sunday. Just stay with me. I'm only here for one service, okay? One day. It'll be traumatic, but you'll get over it. You're convinced you'll go to Africa for Jesus, but you can't get to church for Jesus. Let me take it another step. I know people that are convinced that if they had a lot of money, they'd give a lot of money. Oh, I just wished I had a lot of money. If the Lord would bless me, if the Lord would prosper me, I would give a lot of money to the kingdom of God. I would give money so that we could build new buildings here. I would give money so that we could expand the staff. I would stroke big checks. But the same people that are convinced that if they had a lot of money, they would obey God and give a lot of money are far too often the same group of people who can't pay tithe on the amount of money they make right now. What are you saying? I'm saying don't convince yourself that you will follow or obey the Lord in something great until you have proven that you will obey the Lord in something that seems minor, something that seems insignificant. Know this, saints of God, the Lord will never give you the opportunity to obey him in something great until he is first totally and completely convinced of your faithfulness in obeying him in all things that seem small. It is in this arena that we prove ourselves faithful in our obedience. And he gives a command that they board the boat and cross over to the other side. Obedience. And obeying the Lord leads us to point number two, and that is resistance. Nobody shouted or said amen right there. Resistance. Their obedience causes them to board the boat and they set sail for the other side and Jesus, sometime after their departure, goes into a sleep or a slumber and then they encounter a storm. Now that doesn't seem fair, does it? Type this in your smart device. Write this down in the leaflet of your Bible. Following Jesus, obeying Jesus, will surely lead you into a storm. Y'all shout with me now. You see, there's too much westernized Christianity that says following Jesus does the opposite, that following Jesus takes all of the clouds out of life's sky, that following Jesus takes all of the bumps out of life's road, that following Jesus means that your children will always obey instantaneously, that following Jesus means you have plenty of money, that following Jesus means you never get sick, that following Jesus means that you and your spouse have marital bliss every second of every day, of every week, of every month, of every long, year but that's not reality following Jesus will surely lead you into a storm now, I know it doesn't seem fair. I know it doesn't seem right. I know that we would like to think that if we follow the Lord, if we obey the Lord, if the Lord gives us a command and we do what the Lord has told us to do, should we not get to pass go and collect our $200? That's not the way it works. Resistance, a pushback, a storm comes. I said a storm comes. The waves begin to get rough. The sky fills 
with clouds. The lightning begins to fork in every direction. The thunder becomes deafening. The rain becomes blinding. They are facing resistance. They are facing an immense and enormous pushback. Why? Because they obeyed the Lord. Because they did what Jesus said. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If you know anything about the Bible, if you know anything about this book, you will know that there are different kinds of storms due to different reasons. If you look in the Old Testament, you'll find that there is a storm that happens because of disobedience. Do you remember the story of Jonah? Because Jonah chose to disobey the Lord, he encountered a storm. But in this particular case, these disciples obeyed the Lord. Some of you are wondering, why am I going through this hell? Why am I going through this havoc? Why am I encountering this trouble, this trial, this tribulation? Have I done something wrong? Yes, you have to take inventory. You need to ask yourself that question. But what I want you to realize is that oftentimes as Christians, we suffer not because we have done something wrong, but rather we suffer because we have done something right. Obedience, challenged by resistance. And then this resistance is now going to begin to manifest. It's going to begin to show us some things about the disciples and about our Lord, okay? You still with me? Come on, can you tell if I'm a man or a woman? <laughs> stay with me. Stay, stay, stay plugged in for just a few more moments. Come on. We're going to see some things. We're going to see an absence that is evidenced because of the storm in the disciples. And then we're going to see a confidence that is evidenced in our Lord. And we're going to run this dichotomy or this parallel one beside the other, okay? Because they've obeyed and now they're facing the resistance of the storm, we learn some things about the disciples. There's an absence that's manifested, that's evidenced to us. An absence of what? There's an absence of Solace. There's an absence of serenity. There's an absence of security. There's a lack of peace in these men. We see it in three different levels. Number one, I want you to notice they panicked. They panicked. Because of the storm, they panicked. They became fearful. Understand with me this morning that fear and the future are intrinsically linked. Fear finds its power in the future. What do you mean by that? I mean that we live in the present. I'm not fearful in the present because I'm living in the present. But rather because of what's happening in the present, the circumstances, the situation that's happening now, I become fearful of what will happen 60 seconds from now. Because of what I'm undergoing now, I become fearful of what will happen tomorrow, fearful of what will happen next week, next month, next year. Are you out there? Fear finds its power in the future or the unknown of the future. And because of what they were encountering, they became panicked. They became fearful. What were they encountering? I mentioned it a moment ago. There's the clouds in the sky. There's the jagged forked lightning. There's the deafening thunder. There's the, there's the, the, uh, the immense amount of water that is falling from the sky into the boat, not to mention the immense amount of water that is coming from the sea and lapping into the boat. They're encountering this resistance. 
And they allowed what was going on around them to begin to dictate or determine what was going on in them. Oh, I'm preaching better than you, Iowa people are acting right now. I said they allowed their circumstances, they allowed the the climate, they allowed the environment of the moment to begin to determine, do we not do the same? I said, do we not do the same? Not long ago, I was preaching in the great state of Florida. It's one of the great churches like this one in the Assemblies of God, pastored by my good friend, Joey Rogers. Pace Assembly of God, they run about 1,000 people. I preach there every year. Sometimes I preach there two times a year. And uh, on this particular occasion, when Joey scheduled us for ministry, he said, listen, I want you to come in. I want you to bring Tasha and Hagen and Addison. I want you to preach for me on Sunday morning. Uh, there's no service Sunday night, but I want you to stay and preach the Wednesday night service as well. And he said, we're not going to put you in a hotel. We're going to put you in a condo down on Pensacola Beach. We want you to minister and then also rest and relax and just have a time of, uh, of uh, friendship and fellowship while you're here. I said, man, that, that is so kind and gracious. Thanks, Pastor. And he said, don't worry. When you fly in, don't rent a car. He said, uh, I have just bought a new car, and you can drive my car that I'm going to sell but have not sold yet. It's a 2014 Cadillac Escalade. You can just drive it while you're in town. I said, thanks, Joey. That'll work. So we land. We, we, we get the Cadillac. We go through all the routine. We drive out to the uh, condo about 30 minutes from the church on that Saturday evening and we park and I mean I get up Sunday and I'm getting ready I mean I'm going to preach to a thousand people it's it's a great church with a tremendous Pentecostal climate and culture I mean I am anointed I am pumped I am excited I am ready to go I mean I've got a spring in my step I've got a I've got a sparkle in my eye I've got a song in my heart I mean let's do this and we go into the parking garage and we board that 2014 black Cadillac Escalade and I put it in reverse and back it into a cement pole. Now I know you Iowa folks are going to find this hard to believe, but when that happened, all of a sudden I didn't want to go to church. (laughs) All of my excitement fizzled away. All of my anointing drained out into the floor of that garage. I didn't want to go to church. I wanted to drive that thing into the Gulf of Mexico and board the jet back to Texas. Come on. Give me that picture, guys, if you will, please. It busts the pastor's bumper. You can't see what it flares this left side out. It scratches. Now, look at, you can see Addison's reflection with her hand on her hip as she's examining the damage. And now I am embarrassed. Now I am mortified. I have wrecked Joey's Cadillac. And we began that trip into Pensacola. We're headed to the service, and I'm griping, and I'm whining, and I'm complaining. And I looked at Tasha, and I said, listen, Tasha, this is what we're going to do. I said, the Bible says that if any two of us say I'll touch in agreement and ask anything in his name, he will do it. So I said, hold my hand, and let's pray that when I pull up to a red light, someone will rear end us. <laughs> yes, I did. I said, and when they do, I'll jump out and run around and say, look what you've done to the pastor's Cadillac. (laughs) 
and I cried and I moaned and I griped and I complained. You see, I was letting what was going on around me determine what was going on inside of me. I allowed my circumstances, my situation to control me. And as I griped and I whined and I complained, finally this little girl spoke up out of the back seat and said, Daddy! My eyes went up into the rearview mirror and looked at her and said, Addison, what is it? She said, don't let the devil get in your head. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, some of you are going through all types of problems and perils and persecutions and you are letting the resistance, the push back, dictate what's going on inside of you, but hear the words of a babe, don't let the devil get in your head. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Number two, not only were they panicked, but they were perplexed. I said they were perplexed. What does that mean? It means that on board the boat, you have among these disciples some skilled sailors. Did you not? Sailors that were called by Jesus to become followers. Men that made their life's living, their life's wage, their career was on these very waters. This is not the first time they've sailed in rough waters. This is not the first time they've encountered a storm. They know what to do. They know how to get a boat through a storm. They know how to get a boat through contrary winds. And they no doubt did everything that their previous experience had taught them. And rather than advancing the boat, they gained no ground. And they were perplexed. Have you ever gone through... A storm because of following Jesus and you did everything that you could to fix the situation and rather than bettering the situation it only got worse they're perplexed and then they begin to ponder I wish I had time to flesh all of that out for you but they begin to ponder they were panicked and they were perplexed and they begin to ponder they begin to think they begin to calculate they begin to come to a conclusion this is bad the situation's not good we've done everything we know to better the situation and the situation's only getting worse and we're trying to determine what will the outcome be and what did they conclude we're gonna die we're dead Right now we're on top of this water, but very shortly this water will be on top of us. We're going to die. This is it. This is the end. And notice, now this is so interesting to me. Listen, because this will be somewhat different than what you've heard previously. This is so interesting to me. Notice what these panicked and perplexed men do. What do they do? The Bible says they go and wake up the one guy who is enjoying the cruise. There's one guy that's having a nice ride. One guy's relaxed. He's resting. And they go and wake him up. Hey, Jesus, wake up and be afraid with the rest of us. <laughs> this is us. I said, this is us. This is a perfect reflection of who we are as believers. Pastor, come here. Come here. Come here right quick. Let, 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 let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you what church people do, okay? Let me show you what we do together. I mean, we, we're following the Lord. We're doing the best that we can to obey the Lord. Come over here, Pastor, and spin around. Uh, we, we, no. 
I'm sorry, a, a half turn, not a, not a full turn. I told you he's brilliant, see. He listens, he listens. He knows I'm a man, not a woman, he listens. All right. <laughs> now listen, listen. This is what we do. We say, I'm obeying the Lord. I'm serving God to the best of my capacity. My obedience has led me into resistance. Pastor, pastor, I just, I, did. <laughs> I mean, we start texting at, you know, midnight. <laughs> no. 1 a.m., 1.30, 2 a.m., we, we call. Carol, is pastor awake? <laughs> no, y'all didn't get that. You call at 2 a.m., is pastor awake? Do you think pastor's awake at 2 a.m.? <laughs> Come on, people. Pastor, I just want you to know, Pastor, that I'm, I'm living for the Lord. I'm doing everything that I know to do. I'm serving God to the best of my ability. I've been faithful, but evidently my faithfulness has led me into a storm. I mean, hell has broke out in my life, Pastor. And, and I didn't want to call you tonight, Pastor, too. I didn't want to text you. I didn't want to, Pastor, but I, I tried to fix it myself. I tried to get the situation under control. I've done everything that I know to do. I've employed every strategy that I know. And, Pastor, you know what? It's only gotten worse. That's why I called you, Pastor. It's worse. It's worse. It's worse. It didn't get any better. It got worse. And, Pastor, I'm just laying here tonight. And and I've been calculating what the end might be. And I just want you to know, I have come to the conclusion that this is bad. This is bad. It's going to get bad. This is ugly, Pastor. And I can't sleep. I am absolutely going out of my mind. And I just wanted to text you and call you at midnight and at 1 and at 2. And I just want you to know, Gary Pilter, that if I can't sleep tonight, bless God, you're not going to sleep either. Come on, saints. Thank you, Pastor. Now listen, why are you laughing? Because you identify with that. I said, that's why you laugh and you engage because you see yourself. We see ourselves in that. We see ourselves in the response of the disciples. But remember the purpose of this message? Our goal is not to act like them. Saints, our goal is to act like him. So how's he different? Point number four, let me show you how he's different. When they... Were, had an absence, he had a confidence. I said he had a confidence. His confidence is manifest in three different ways, just as was the absence in their lives. Number one, Jesus was at perfect peace with his situation. I said Jesus was at perfect peace with his situation. No, you didn't. I said Jesus was at perfect peace. I asked myself when I studied this sermon, how could he sleep? And they're going out of their mind. How could he sleep? They're convinced they're going to die, and he is sound asleep. How? 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 Can, he's in the same boat. He's headed to the same destination. It's the same lightning, the same thunder, the same wind, the same waves, the same rain. And he is asleep, and they are panicked. How? Somebody said, well, you're not a very good preacher. If you were a very good preacher, you would know. The reason he could sleep and they could not is because he's God, and they ain't. And I know ain't ain't a word. I use it with intent. Well, thank you, theologian, for your help. But I've got one question for you. If the reason he could sleep is because he is God and they are not, then why did he need sleep at all? He's God. The Bible says that God needs no sleep nor slumber. No, what we have introduced to us here is the mystery of the incarnation. The mystery that none of us can totally and completely comprehend or explain of how he was 100% human, but yet he's 100% God. And he lays down and he goes to sleep. Now, why did Jesus go to sleep? You ready? Here's some great spiritual truth. Type this into your smart device. He was tired. 
What was he tired from? He was tired from healing Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. He was tired of casting demons out of an untold number of people. He was tired of healing them all. He's had a full day of ministry. And when he gets on the boat and lays down, he just wants a few moments of reprieve. Just let me lay my head down. Just let me sleep. Just let me recuperate for a bit. He could, be at purpose, uh, he could be at perfect peace because, number two, he understood his purpose. I said he understood his purpose. How did he understand his purpose? You have to go through the entire scenario. You have to get to the end of the story. What is the end of the story? Where is this boat going? This boat is going to a land called Gadara. There in Gadara, the Bible references two demon-possessed people. The most common and most popular is a man who is possessed not by a demon, but by an unknown number of demons. He is called Legion, and theologians debate how many demons possess this man. He lives in the cemetery. He mutilates his own flesh. He breaks the chains and runs naked. Uh, he is... He is, he is uh, they, they in the region are unable to incarcerate him. And Jesus is going there and will ultimately cast the demons out of this man. Now remember what I introduced this message with, obedience. Remember, we talked about Jesus giving a simple command, board the boat and go over to the other side. Remember, now we're talking about the mystery of the incarnation. Jesus, as a man, had to hear and obey the voice of his father. He said, I don't do anything unless my father tells me to do it. I don't say anything unless my father tells me to say it. So what I learned from that is somewhere in this scenario, the father spoke to the son and said, son, I need you to board the boat and cross over to the other side. And just like you and I have to be obedient to the voice of Jesus, so Jesus humbled himself. Even though he's equal to God, he chose to humble himself and to the will of God and he obeyed the voice of his father and boarded the boat. Why? Because the father's purpose for him was on the other side. The father's destiny. Can I ask that you see that's why theologians debate the origin of the storm. Was it a natural storm? Was it a demonic storm? I tend to lean toward it being demonic. The devil knew if he gets to the other side he is going to liberate these demon possessed people. I've got to stop him from getting to the other side. That's why I believe the storm's origin was demonic. And with that in mind, might your troubles today, might your problems today, might your storms that you're facing today, might they be Satan's attempt to keep you from getting to the destination that God has in your tomorrow? There is a purpose. I said there is a purpose in our lives. Third and finally, Jesus had confidence because he completely and totally understood the person of his father. I know pastor's been preaching a series on family. and Jesus understood the purpose and the person of his father. How many of you in this building have grandchildren? Let me see. If you have grandkids, raise your hand. How many of you have kids? Raise your hand. How many of you were ever a kid? Let me see your hand. I think that gets us all. How many of you know what it's like to take a child? I'm talking a small child, four, five, six, seven, maybe even eight years of age. You take them to church, you take them to a sporting event, you take them to a family function, and that function runs long, and they get tired. What will a kid do? Huh? They will lay, cause troubles. <laughs> they will lay down and go to sleep. 
Now, I don't mean they'll go find a nice bed somewhere and fold the covers back properly and disrobe themselves and insert themselves between the sheets and cover themselves. No, no, a kid will, I mean, you'll find them at times, they look, they, they just fold up like a, like a pretzel. But they're asleep, right? They're out. And then you and I have the responsibility as the adult to get the child from point A to point B. Uh, come here, Ed. Come here. Come here. Come here. Hurry, they're not paying us by the hour. Come quickly. <laughs> she just turned 13. She's getting too, too big for this illustration. Um, it, it would be nice if we walked into the room and they just, we just said, hey, Tommy, Susie, Bobby, wake up. It's time to go home. And they just boop, came to and like little penguins got in a line and marched out behind you. That's not the way it is. They're, they are out. They don't know what's going on. Come on, saints. Talking about how Jesus could sleep and they could not. Hmm. Confidence in the person of his father. So what do we, now, now what do we have to do? We have to get the baby from this point home. We got to get the baby from grandma's home. We got to get the baby from the basketball game home. We got to get the baby from, from, from Gary Pilcher's long sermon home. <laughs> so what do we do? We, 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 we <laughs> come on. If you've, if you've ever had a kid, you know it's true. And you pick them up and what's happening? I mean, you, you take the baby out of grandma's Christmas function and all the cousins are coming by. Hey, I bye, Addison. We love you, Addison. It's great to see you. What does Addison say? She doesn't say anything. She doesn't know the cousins have said anything. Grandma's pinching her on the chair. Oh, Addison, grandma loves you, baby. Thank you for coming to Christmas. What does Addison say? Nothing. She doesn't realize grandma's anywhere around. You walk outside. Addison doesn't know if it's cold, doesn't know if it's hot, doesn't know if it's raining, snowing. Come on. Doesn't know if the sun's up or the sun is down. She pays no attention at all. And then you take these babies and you take them and you put them in the car. And it was totally different when I was a kid. When I was a kid, my dad owned one single cab pickup truck. My mother rode in it. I rode in it. My brother rode in it. My twin sisters rode in it. You'll go to prison for something like that now. You put the baby in this car street and they, a seat and they got these restraints and the babies are asleep. And you pull up and you hit the, you, you hit the brake at the red light and the baby slumps forward. And then you, you get worried the baby's going to choke to death on the restraint. So you pull the baby up and then you go to the next red light and the baby slumps forward. And you put the brake and the baby. And then you get home and then you got you to get the baby up again. And you load the baby back up and you take the baby into the house. And what does the baby do? The baby doesn't do anything. Why? Because the baby's asleep. And you lay the baby down in the bed and you take off the baby's shoes and the baby's clothes. And this is a PG service. We're not going to do any of that but but you, you do all of that come on stay with me you do all of that and isn't it interesting that when they wake up the next morning the babies never wake up like this wow how'd I get here come on they never wake up like that they never wonder how they got home they just wake up pop up get the iPad and get a bowl of Applejack and they just start their day why because that baby knew the baby knew, when I, I'm tired, I can lay down here at grandma's. I can lay down at church. I can lay down at the ball game. I can go to sleep, and I don't have to worry about waking up and finding the lights out, and there's nobody here, and they forgot me. No, I can lay down here and go to sleep, and I'm confident that my father, that my mother are going to make sure that I am 
How could Jesus sleep when they couldn't? Because Jesus was confident in the person of his father. Jesus knew I can lay down in the bows of the boat. I can go to sleep for a while. It doesn't matter if a storm comes. It doesn't matter how much lightning or thunder or waves or rain. It doesn't matter what the devil conjures up. And it doesn't matter how crazy my contemporaries act in this boat. When I wake up, I will be where my father told me to be on the other side. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Singers and musicians, come. Jesus had a tranquility that transcended human understanding. He had a tranquility that transcended human understanding. The Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that we have peace that goes beyond or surpasses understanding. What does that mean? It means by all accounts, Jesus should have been afraid, but was not afraid. According to the natural man, yes. According to the spiritual law, no. I leave you with these words. John 14, Jesus writes, or rather says and is written of him, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You're serving God to the best of your ability and you are facing hell. Some of you have not had a sound sleep in many nights. That ends tonight. I said that ends tonight. Why? Because the peace of God, the confidence in your Father is letting you know you are going to the other side and you're going to fulfill the purpose that he has destined for you to fulfill. Stand with me all across this auditorium. Lift your hands, lift your voices, come on. Lift your hearts toward heaven right now. I sense that the Lord wants to minister. I said he wants to minister. He wants to encourage you. He wants to uplift you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to edify you. Come on, let him help you right now. Let him help you not to act like Peter. Let him help you not to act like Philip. Let him help you not to respond like Nathaniel. Let him help you not to act like you. Let him enable you to be like him. I said, let him enable you to be like him. We used to sing it, to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. That's all I ask, is to be like him. All through life's journey, from earth to glory, all I ask is to be like him. Come on, lift your hands and receive it. Lift your hands and receive it. The peace of God be yours. The peace of God be yours. The peace of God be yours. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Think it not strange, Peter said, that you're going through the fire, that you're going encountering this pushback. Think it not strange. It's not foreign to you as a child of God. Following Jesus will lead you through a storm. But if Jesus is in your boat, you're going to make it. I said, if Jesus is in your boat, you're going to make it. 
If Jesus is in your boat, you're going to make it. Come on, lift your hands as we worship for a moment before pastor comes. Come on, Pastor Nathan, lead us for a moment. Let the Spirit of the Lord minister in our hearts. How good is He? Far beyond what eyes could ever see. It stands in front of me. How good is He? He paints a canvas with a million stars.
I don't normally do this, call anyone out, and I'm going to try to do this and hold the emotions that I feel, but Brenda and Steve, I thought as the word was being preached, most of us sail in and out of storms. You live in the storm. And our prayer for you is that God will give you sleep. He will give you rest. I believe this was a prophetic moment for our church and a prophetic word for you this morning. He's going to give you rest while you live in the storm. Lord, I lift before you this ministry and I pray God for Brenda and Steve that your anointing and blessing will be on their lives. While they live in the place of the storm, God, give them rest, give them peace, undergird them and uphold them. I ask in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement said, amen. amen. There's some of you that need that word this morning. You live in a place of storm. And Marissa, it's good to have you here this morning. She was just a little girl when we were pastoring in Oline, but I know how ministry is. You know how ministry is. It's a lot of those storms. And I don't know anything about what's happening in your world right now, but I know that God wants you to have peace, be able to sleep in the storm. Ministry is a storm. Ministry is a storm. And wherever you are this morning, in a place of challenge or trial, what a great word. If you can learn to trust the Father, you can sleep in the storm. Amen. If God touched your heart this morning, let me hear your hands. You can sleep in the storm. Now, before you go, I'm going to ask you to invest in this ministry. This is sowing into good ground. And you can do that by using an offering envelope and uh, giving cash or check. If you didn't come prepared to give and you want to make a commitment within the next 30 days, write that on the offering envelope, leave it at the box at the back. And then the giving slide, if you'd put that up there, you can give online right now with the keyword speaker to 84321. The dollar amount, the amount you want to give and the word speaker. And all of that will go to our um, evangelist this morning. And I'm telling you, you're sowing into good ground that's going to that's gonna impact the nation as we team with this ministry. So right now, put that in your text, send that in, fill out an offering envelope, do something before you go to be generous. I believe that God blesses generous people. Amen? I believe that. I believe that. And you've heard me say again and again and again that it is the Spirit of God that empowers ministry, His finances that enables ministry. We have to have both of those. So I'm going to ask you to invest um, generously in this ministry. I'm so glad I came to church today. I am so glad I didn't wreck another pastor's car. And I believe that God's got a great day. I just feel I don't want to move yet because there's somebody here. I need you to grab hold of the message that was preached. There's somebody here about to go into a storm. You don't even see it yet. You don't even know it yet. But you're about to sail into a storm. And when that happens, you're going to need this word this morning. You see, that's why it's important to be in the house of God. Not so you can check a box, but so that you can hear from God ahead of time the word that you need for what you're going to go through. It's a prophetic word for us. Grab that, own that, and walk in that in Jesus' name. One more time, if you love him, let me hear your hands. Let's give him praise. What a great God we serve. 
thank you for being here this morning. Please take some time to go out in the parking lot, enjoy some pizza and ice cream and fellowship. Let your kids um, do the inflatables and let's enjoy good fellowship together. Amen. God bless you.